Hello, this is Pastor Dan of Edgeboro Moravian Church, and welcome to this Worship by Phone recording posted during the week of Sunday, December 13th. Call this number back at any time to hear this message again, and call back each week for a new Worship by Phone recording. Before we get on to worship, just a quick reminder that our Christmas Eve service at Edgeboro Moravian Church will be held online at 5.30. In order to help you worship from home, uh, you are invited to pick up Christmas Eve kits, which will contain a candle, love feast items, and other things that you might need to worship from home. So you can pick those up on Saturday, December 19th from 10 until noon, or on Sunday the 20th from 1 until 3 p.m. If you would like yours delivered to your home, please call the church office before Saturday, and an elder or somebody else will be happy to deliver it to you. If you can't join us then, a recording will be made available later on online, and there will also be a worship by phone recording just like there is for any other worship service. Speaking of worship services, this past Sunday was the third Sunday in Advent. This past Sunday, I actually took a Sabbath, so I did not lead worship, I did not preach, I was not there. Thankfully, my brother-in-law, Pastor Greg Barrand of Our Savior's Moravian Church in Altura, Minnesota, and former student pastor here at Edgeboro, uh, before I started here uh, more than four years ago, uh, he, he preached and led worship for me from Minnesota. So thanks be to God for the gift of technology for allowing him to do that, and I'm very grateful. So you'll be hearing a few different voices. You'll be hearing his, of course, as we get to the message. Uh, But now, after we uh, listen to some music from Gail to quiet our hearts, you will then hear uh, Tom and Gilda Pfeiffer, along with their grandsons, twin grandsons, Bryce and Carter, as they light for us the third Advent candle, the candle of joy. So let us quiet our hearts for worship. I dream of laughter that is contagious. Laughter. I dream of birthday candles and another beautiful year. I dream of family game nights and dinner parties with friends. Friends. I dream of homemade Halloween costumes and homemade family recipes. I dream of pillow forts, fireflies, and front porch swings. I dream of every little thing that brings joy, and I know it comes from God. Joy. So today we light the candle of joy, 
as a reminder of God's dream for this world. Joy. Of God's dream for this world involves a joy that overflows and is contagious. So may this fire burn bright as it does, may we sing. May we dance. May we laugh. May we hold on to people we love. May we sow joy in a hurting world. May it be an act of holy resistance. Oh, great writer, with a full sky of stars and a world full of flowers, there should be no end to my joy. And yet, instead of decorating my very being with joy, I let it slip away like loose change. Instead of singing like Mary or dancing like David, I pass by remarkable beauty and love most days unfazed. Forgive me, teach me the ways of children who laugh and dance and sing as if joy is the very thing that keeps them alive. Maybe they have joy figured out. Gratefully we pray, amen. 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 The next voice that you'll hear is Gail Justice with the scripture reading. The scripture reading for today comes from John 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is of he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. May God add his blessings to the reading and hearing of his holy word today. Here is Greg Behrend with the message. When we think of the relationship uh, between John the Baptist and Jesus, many of us think of, uh, of this passage, this, this, this proclamation where he is proclaiming the Messiah that is to come. Uh, we think about the, the, what, that, what John is doing to help prepare the way of, of the Messiah. But 
uh, unless we look at Luke's gospel, we are not recognizing necessarily that John and Jesus uh, are actually family. And that we can gather from what we find in scripture that uh, Elizabeth and Mary are related on some level, although we don't know exactly how closely related they were. Uh, some variation of cousins seems to be what scholars agree upon. Now, so John's mother, Elizabeth, is married to Zachariah, who is a member of the priestly order, uh, and they miraculously have their son, John, in their older ages of life. And they welcome John into the world uh, just a few months before Mary and Joseph welcome their son, Jesus, into the world. Now, as a young father myself, I know very well that pregnancy has a way of bringing people together, especially uh, when two women who are close, either through family or friendship, are pregnant at the same time. Now, I know that Mary and Elizabeth weren't texting each other back and forth, trying to uh, share their, uh, the baby's movement that's been going on or their recent ultrasound pictures or what needs to be uh, purchased for the nursery or what needs to be placed in the hospital bag still. But I would venture to guess that their overlapping pregnancies uh, gave the opportunity for them to share that experience, to ask questions, to, to journey through that together and to, to prepare themselves for bringing new life into the world. There's something about going through that pregnancy experience that bonds people. Uh, and we assume from scripture that for both of these women, this is their first pregnancy, the first time experiencing this. Uh, and so there's probably a lot of questions uh, and it's natural for them to, to lean on one another, to check in, to, to, to enjoy the journey with someone else who's experiencing that similar journey. And I speak for myself as well as everybody else that's, that's never been pregnant. If you, you don't know what that's like to have a, a baby bringing, growing inside you and bringing that life into the world, unless you are living that life, you don't know what that experience is. And so that only intensifies the relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. The point of this all is to point out that there is a family connection here. There's a connection between these two families, and uh, we don't know how often they saw each other. Maybe they only saw them each other this one time, uh, but there's a possibility that perhaps even after the birth of John and Jesus, these families saw each other and spent time together. So there's a possibility that John and Jesus knew each other, maybe even knew each other so well, like cousins or even brothers. Uh, and spent a, a good deal of time as they grew up in their childhood. We don't know. That's, that's speculation. But there is a chance that they know each other. At the very least, uh, they probably know uh, of the story that their mothers probably told to them that as Mary came near to Elizabeth and they're both pregnant, and Elizabeth felt John leap in her womb, uh, it, it was a sign to them that they were even friends before they were born. And I'm sure their, their mothers let them know that over and over again. So why is that important? Well, when they're adults and John is giving his testimonial about Jesus being the Messiah, there's an important note. If we look ahead to verse 33, John says, even I didn't recognize him. Even I didn't recognize him. That's a significant quote from John. A sense that perhaps what he's saying is that even me, his buddy, someone who, who should have known, who didn't realize who he really was, the divine God in human flesh, the Messiah that was promised. 
it makes what John is saying in his proclamation even that much more significant. If anyone should have seen it, then maybe it should have been John. And he admits that he didn't see it until God revealed it to him. There's quite a bit to hold on to there as we consider this, this story for ourselves today in 2020. What does it mean for us to truly recognize God's presence? What does it mean for us today to truly recognize God's presence in our own lives? In other words, maybe as we've gone throughout life, we've been seeing Jesus but we haven't really seen Jesus, who Jesus really is in our life. So I ask you all to consider this morning, has there been a moment or moments throughout your life, either recently or years ago, that at some point you felt awakened in your spirit, awakened in an understanding of who God is? A moment when you can say that, that God revealed Christ to me in that moment. I felt it. I knew it. It was never more clear to me than in that moment. I don't know about you all, but for many people, oftentimes, these moments when we really see Jesus, when we understand God most clearly, are the moments when life challenges us, when life stretches us. A moment when we might think, a moment when we might be angry or frustrated or broken, heartbroken, or just completely knocked over and, and struggling to stand back up. Those are often vulnerable moments. But sometimes God becomes most clear to us when we are most vulnerable. It's through those moments that we, just like John the Baptist was then, then we're able to step into a life of being a witness, of sharing our relationship with Christ with others. Because at that point, we've then experienced the true and genuine nature of God and how God is present with us. Then we are able to witness to that experience, to that presence of God in our lives. Let's talk about that word witness for a moment. We hear it a lot in the Christian faith. It appears 50 times in John's gospel, 50 times. John himself was a witness, but he also gave witness. Right? He, is, he is a witness, the noun. He, there was a prophecy that spoke of who he was and what he would do. But what he would do then is to give witness, the verb. He would give witness to the Messiah to come. Witness, as used by John, refers to the character and significance of who God is, which is what he proclaims to crowds of people after his revelation from God about the Messiah. After that moment when it became clear to him, then he's able to go and proclaim it to the crowds. It's because of that moment that John is able to become that witness. And it's the same for us, to become that witness. We must have that deep and genuine understanding of God. The author of John's gospel, uh, 
as he writes down this, this testimony in this opening passage uh, of John the Baptist, he leads off the whole gospel, really, but this whole passage especially, and has two significant verses that kind of bring it all together. Verses four and five. What has come into being in him, in Jesus, was life. The life was the light of all people. And that light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. As John the Baptist gave witness to the presence of God among him and the people that gathered with him, he lit his own light from that light of Christ. He took what Christ offered and he held it himself. And he held it in such a way that the rest of the world could see it. And then he invited others to come and take part of that light for themselves so that one day the whole world might know the light of Christ, that real and authentic nearness of God in their own hearts. So we must ask ourselves, do our lives today that we live witness to the light of God within us? what we're doing, what we're saying, does that witness to the light of God within us. In the midst of darkness, disappointment, uncertain outlooks, when life in this world has rattled us and caused us to divide in many ways, when we have become fatigued and lost in loneliness, we must pause and ask ourselves, have we lost our own light? Have we lost our own light? It's an honest question that we should ask ourselves, especially at the end of this challenging year. Have I lost my light? I pray that that is not the case for anyone. I hope that our flames still glow brightly. And if not, if today it's not so bright, then I pray that we turn to God to help us breathe life back into that flame once again. God sent light into the world over 2,000 years ago. That light is still within us and among us today. Remember that trying times have the possibility to yield tremendous transformations. Let us pray. God of light, help us to see in the darkness of the world. Help us to know that we do not stand alone wherever we find ourselves today. You are near to us and connect our hearts in beautiful and mysterious ways that only you can do. Give us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever you find yourself today, feel the nearness of God in your heart. Live in such a way that you share that light that John was given from our Lord and Savior, and John helped us to find for ourselves. Shine it brightly for all to see. Amen. Amen.